Arizona's news station, KTAR News, 92.3 FM. Chad Benson loves lemonade. No wonder his show is two parts tart to one part sweet. Time for a refill. Cheers. Politics, pop culture. It merges all the time. Joining us now is a guy who is, well, he's funny. Yeah, funny. I know. It's not just our show, right? Like, we're funny, too, but this guy's actually really funny for a living. He's a comic. You're an Emmy Award winner. You're a writer for Stephen Colbert, The Late Show. Well, I do I do the audience warm-up on The Colbert You, yeah. you do everything do for everything. all intents and purposes. I wrote on The Daily Show for a long time. Oh, that's awesome. Paul Mercurio joins us. He's going to be at the House of Comedy tonight, and then two, two shows tomorrow, two shows so, Saturday. Yeah. Five shows, going? baby. Five shows, I'm bringing baby. it. You're, you're getting your money's worth. You guys are getting your money's worth. I'll tell you that right now. So, interesting story, uh, and I've seen you on more. You've, you've got specials. I've seen you on a lot of stuff, and uh, it is. Uh, and you look, by the way, totally different uh, when you're not in a suit. Uh, I'm shorter. And bigger, there you go. Like, and, it's Hollywood, right? Like, and bigger lips. So, you're, you're here, you're doing this, but this wasn't your first gig, man. Yeah. You, you had another gig. I was a broker for a long time. Oh, you were? I was a broker for a long time before I said, you know, this sucks. Yeah. Uh, I've had a very bizarre career. I did comedy for a while, wow, uh, you, know, and, you know, but I said, hey, I want something where I can wear shorts and a t-shirt to work, and yeah, that's, exactly. you know, something. You're like me, but with a way better beard and head of hair. So, my head of hair. Well, it's, I have like a Friar Tuck look right no, now. No, it's good, man. So, I want to rub my fingers through your hair. Go I know for the, it. I know oh, this good. got weird fast, but you know, that's a, that's this what's all about. Alonzo's got great hair, too. In Alonzo, it's great. He, you, he, a week ago, his hair was a mess. We call him the Cran because he's the world's worst dresser. <laughs> he looks pretty good today. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. a good-looking cat. He's a good-looking cat. The, so, yeah, I did. I did. I was on Wall Street, and I was doing, I was a lawyer and a banker. I was doing a merger and acquisition deals and like working for a big firm. And then I started writing jokes as a hobby. I don't know why. I was making short films, too, and one of them got into a big festival. And I always loved stand-up, watched it as I was a kid. Like, I would always beg my parents to stay up late if there was a comic on. And then one thing leads to another. I'm writing these jokes, and I get invited to a private function, and Jay Leno was the private entertainment. So I went up to him, and I had, like, 10 pages of jokes that I would keep in a secret password file at work. And I went up to him. I go, look, I don't know if you need jokes, but I got jokes. He's like... Okay. He really does talk like the like yeah, helium out of a balloon very slowly, and his head bobs back and forth like a like a something you get. At I've seen him game. at the uh, was it in Manhattan Beach or whatever you know the ma- the, the, the Hermosa yeah the Hermosa Beach the magic uh, yeah uh, but yeah he does talk like yeah, that. that's hilarious and so he takes them and then a couple of days later. My phone rings, and this is on the other end. Ah, oh, it's Jay Leno. It's Paul there. Now I thought it was my friend David who does pranks, and he was just, you know, pulling a prank because he does impressions. Not for a living, but just does pretty good impressions. And I thought he was pretending to be Jay. I went, yeah, really funny, David. He goes, not really, it's Jay Leno. I go, yeah, right. He goes, no, it is. I go, and I actually said to Jay Leno, you do a lousy Jay Leno. <laughs> and he was like, I think I do a pretty good me. And then it turned out to be Jay Leno, and he said, I'm going to do your joke on The Tonight Show tonight. And he did my joke, paid me $50. It was, the deal was whatever he used, he would pay me for. And I got to tell you, Chad, it just blew my head off my shoulders. Like... Here, I'm like a middle-class Italian kid from Rhode Island, not much money, whatever, growing up. I'm doing these huge merger deals, and I get a little $50 joke on TV. and It's, it's just, the greatest thing ever, right? It was insane. And it's funny because people always ask me, like, did you know you were going to be a comedian? And I'm like, no. And they're like, were you funny? And I'm like, well, it's relative. I was always the funniest lawyer in my law firm, which isn't saying much. It's like saying you're the sexiest IT guy, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and then one guy... 
he, one guy really like attacked me. He was like, oh, you had corporate lawyers. You're, you put companies out of business. You put people out of jobs. He goes to me, you're evil. You'll kill kittens. And I'm like, well, we would outsource that. <laughs> and uh, and, uh, and so that's kind of how it started. And then I started to live. Then Jay said, go send Joe, go try the jokes out before you send them to me. And I said, how do you do that? He goes, you go to open mic nights at these bars and you can work out the material. So then I started to live a secret double life where I was a lawyer, Wall Street guy by day, and a comic at night. And every, all the other associates would go to dinner at 6, 7 o'clock. I would get in a car or a cab, and I'd go to dive bars, like in the lower part of Manhattan, like really bad bars, to do open mic nights in my like little Brooks Brothers suit. And one of the places I worked was called uh, Downtown Beirut 2. Two. I, I, yeah, like, the first one's gone. Yeah, exactly. Or they're, they're, they're franchising them like sub, subways. <laughs> and it was a dive. They dealt drugs out of there. There was a... A hooker worked out of there. There was actually a sign on the men's room door that said the toilet seat's only to be used to go to the bathroom, not to cut Coke. Thank you, the management. And it said, thank you, the management. So one night I'm waiting to go on stage, and it was poets, folk singers, comics. And there's this folk singer playing Blown in the Wind, like badly, like bad. Um, All of a sudden there's a scuffle at the pool table. One guy runs out of the bar. The other guy grabs the side of his neck. He's drunk, and he goes, he cut me. He cut me. They got in a fight, and the guy cut him, like, on the side of the neck. Not the juggler, but he was bleeding, and he was really drunk, so he was able to, like, deal. He's like, I know know where he lives. He cut me. And his girlfriend starts crying, like, oh, my God, look at my boyfriend. He cut me, man. Oh, my God. The answer, my friend. The guy just keeps playing. That's awesome. He's not And you're like, this is show business right here. I'm never leaving this. Exactly. I don't need mergers and acquisitions. Um, I made it. And so then at the end of that is I I get up to leave, and I turn my back to the room, and I all of a sudden hear the MC go, all right, you guys ready for some comedy? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is awesome. And I go on stage, and then uh, and I said, nice to be here. I always wanted to follow a slashing. Yeah. And the guy who got cut didn't think it was very funny, and he took all these bloody napkins, and he threw them at me. Oh, and good stuck times. to my shirt. Now, now you're living the dream. Exactly. Oh. Comedian, Emmy Award winner, uh, Paul Mercurio is with us. He's going to be at the House of Comedy tonight, Friday, and Saturday. One show tonight, two shows, Friday, Saturday. So five shows total, because yeah. I'm good at math. Speaking <laughs> of math, mergers and acquisitions, let's be real. When did you say, all right, I'm going to do this? Because I'm sure the money was a little bit better doing mergers. And oh, it was. I mean, it was so good that I, when I finally left, the year after I left to do this full time, I got audited by the IRS because I had all this income. And then that first year you're doing comedy, like you know, nobody's paying you anything. You don't, you're not yeah. good. You're, and so they can go through five years of your returns. And so, and I had my doubts once even I left, like, oh my God, I panicked. I went back to Wall Street at one point because I'm like, I, I gave up all this money. All my friends were buying bigger and bigger houses. What was and, the best year on Wall Street for you? Best year, numbers-wise? Yeah. $88 million. No. Um, I was just under a million, like pretty, you know, and still pretty young, you know, with bonus. It's, it's all about the bonuses. All about the bonuses. Right, you remember, right? You got to love that, man. It's you like, got to love. It's, you got, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. But when did you say, man, I'm doing this? Um, I... I started to have moments like I just described where my worlds were colliding. Like that night with the blood stain, I had to go back to work and I tried to hide the blood stain because the deal wasn't done. And I walked in the room and this senior partner starts screaming at me like, why do you have a blood stain on your shirt? And I didn't have any answer. And then the, 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 one of the lawyers goes, what kind of shirt is that? I go, it's a Brooks Brothers shirt. He goes, I know how to get blood out of a Brooks Brothers shirt. He goes, club soda and lemon juice. And another lawyer's like, no, Armani, that's the shirt you want. I'm like, are you guys remaking American Psycho in your spare time? Like, what are you doing? And so these moments were happening more and more. And the firm would not have let me stay if they knew that I was yeah, doing You couldn't that. dance in both worlds. No. So no. I basically, I'm doing this for about two years in, like 
straddling these two worlds and I'm like, I got to do this or I'm going to look back and say I regret it. And so I decided to make the leap. And then I went to tell my girlfriend, now my wife, and I said, I think I want to leave Wall Street to be a comedian. And she looked at me and she goes, that better be your first joke. Yeah. <laughs> and and she says, I think I'm going to leave you for somebody at your firm. Exactly. And by the way, she thought I was cheating on her. Oh, and I wow. finally told her because I was coming home reeking a beer and cigarette smoke and had blood stains on my shirt when I was supposed to be doing law deals. And she couldn't figure out she's why. She's like, you're in Fight Club. Yeah, exactly. And then I told her, she's like, oh, well, I'm relieved. And so we sold our apartment. We had a nice apartment in Manhattan. And I moved to a rooming house with like a little one bed, single bed and a little room. And we shared, I shared a kitchen and a bathroom with other people and a hot pot on the floor living like a student again, $327 a month. And I went and then I started going for it. And then I got audited. And when I went, got audited, the guy goes, what happened to all this income? I go, well, I was a lawyer, investment banker, and I quit to be a comedian. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, right. What'd you do with the money? Yeah. I'm like, no, I'm serious. He goes, nobody in their right mind would do that. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. yeah. Paul yeah. McCurry is with us. House of Comedy tonight. Two shows tomorrow night. Two shows on Saturday. So we live in a day and age of wackiness. Yeah. Comedy, you've got the, you know, you do have the snowflakes and everybody's offended about everybody. And it's just, it drives me crazy. Yeah. Because uh, it's not even just the fact that, you know. What scares me more is people can't take a joke. Yeah, that is a big problem. And it's not even just in, on the stage anymore. It's in life. Yeah. We're living in silos. You know, I, I, I go on the cable news shows as a commentator satirist because that's what I've been doing, you know, in my career. I did a lot of it at the Daily Show and whatever. And there used to be that you had a sense of humor about your side. Yeah. And you don't anymore. No. And, and both sides. And it's bad. And we need to get back to the middle because life lives in the gray area. There's no nuance. We're either completely indifferent to each other or we're way into each other's stuff, okay? Like, the, and people want to try to catch you, especially if you're a white guy right now. They want to catch yeah. you. I was in the A park, white banker guy. Yeah, that's exactly. That's ever sees who, you as. Who made an idiot decision and walked away, but I got to hang with you, which is cool. It's a party. And, <laughs> and so I'm in Central Park with my wife. We're walking our dog. It's a law. You're supposed to have your dog on a leash after 9 a.m. in the park. We did. There was a guy whose dog wasn't on the leash. The dog looked really aggressive. And I said to the guy, it was nice. I said, your dog's scaring people. It really should be on a leash. And he goes like this to me. He goes, why? Because it's a pit bull? Like trying to imply that I was like racist toward pit bulls. I'm like, no, because it's got a baby in its mouth. That's why. (laughs) It's nuts. Because it has tattoos and it's smoking camel filter. Look, look, it was just Halloween, right? Yeah. Every Halloween, my parents would dress me as a hobo. And anybody out there listening... Probably the same thing ah, you did, yeah. right? Okay, so daddy's old clothes. Oh, my God, it's Halloween. We forgot here. Take daddy's old clothes. Go out. You couldn't do that today because no. it would offend somebody. Why? Because if you think about it, a hobo's a homeless person. Yeah. My parents dressed me as a homeless person and sent me out onto the streets at night to collect free food in front of real homeless people. And it sucked. I never got candy. Every house, baked beans and a harmonica. That's that was okay. It. You're okay you with know? that. Well, you're okay. And then I had a woman come up to me. Talking about people on the lookout, I like to talk to the audience. In fact, I was doing a one-man show, which I'm going to bring back, where I bring audience members on stage, and they tell stories from their lives because people have incredible stories. So I just randomly talk to people. Randomly. It's important. People remember that randomly. I do this show. A woman comes up to me after the show. She goes, you know, I noticed you talked. The show was really fun. And you talk to the men and you talk to the women, but you seem to talk to the men longer than you talk to the women, and it would be nice if you talked to them an equal amount of time. Uh, she's always a victim. <laughs> right, yeah. You're always and, a victim. And I said to her, this is why I talk to men more than I talk to women, right? That's why, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and, so, and so... It's easier. Yeah, it's just... Because like, the men don't talk back. No. <laughs> exactly. And uh, so it's... I think comedy, I think people in your position, 
need to push back on yeah. it. I don't think there should be like people should be rude and insulting. No. I think there should be political correctness. It's just gotten to the it's point. It's just common sense. Not even political correctness. Well, they want common sense. They want, they want to have safe spaces in college where yeah. people can only hear. Uh, no, you got to hear stuff that's rough because you got to get ready for the real world. I think there should be courses like to get ready for the real world, like like core 101 courses, like arguing with customer service. That yeah. should be a course. That should be just a to get through your life. You know what I mean? So, uh, talking to Paul Mercurio, who's going to be at the House of Comedy uh, three nights, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You work with Colbert, and I, you know, I've seen you a couple times there. He talks about what a friend uh, you are. It's basically, I always joke, you know what, uh, I look at Colbert and I say to myself, it's, it's like a talk show now for, for, for Democrats. That's kind of what it is. Like, tonight we have Nancy Pelosi, tomorrow night Adam Schiff, and then maybe at the end it's like, oh yeah, Joaquin Phoenix here to talk about the Joker. But he's going to get 30 <laughs> seconds. What happens when Trump goes away? Because Trump is a godsend. Because he was struggling a little bit before Trump came. Listen, and I- Trump is a godsend. What happens, not only to him, but to the media that lives off Trump? I, you know what? I think that, look, that's a great question. When we were at The Daily Show, it was all about Clinton all the time. Yeah. And then there was controversy and this and that. And it's the same thing now. And Epstein didn't kill himself. You know, exactly. It's like the, the, the red meat of comedy falling from the sky every day with Trump. Um, I think it'll be harder if a liberal's in the office, you know, because we're a left-leaning show, to, you know, concentrate so much. But I think it's always going to be there because there's always... There's always this friction now between yeah. the left and the right, and it's so extreme that the right's not – if he doesn't get elected, they're not just going to crawl under a rock for four years. They're just going to be loud and, you know, McConnell and whatever. Well, it's and, going to be the same thing you see on the left right now. It's like they're all up butt-hurt and terror. You know, it's yeah. like that's what happens. It's always easier to be on the, the defense than it is on offense, that kind of situation when you're, you know, in a situation where you're a comic because you can go out and attack everybody yeah. and have fun with it. But I, I do wonder because I look at him and I say sometimes I feel like – He's talking to San Francisco, Chicago, Seattle, and and over the rest of America. Does he feel like that sometimes? No, I think he feels um, like we felt on The Daily Show, almost an obligation to call it honest, right? Yeah. In other words, like CNN and MSNBC, they lean left, so they're going to skew their coverage. Fox News, way right, skews their coverage. And what we did at The Daily Show is, and still these shows do, is... They take the same story premise, but they don't. We don't spin it other than to just say this is strange and use comedy to yeah. make a comment about it. Okay, I mean, you look at Trump, and you say what you want about him. He's got a lot of guts. Like here's a guy on a phone call with people on the call, and he's trying to do a quid pro quo. He's like, he's like. A bad mafia guy. Like, it'd be like a mafia guy in the social club knowing that there's like a microphone in the teapot. And he, instead of going, shh, don't talk about it, he goes over and goes, is this on? Is this on? And then starts talking right into the teapot for the FBI. Like, there's a, he's turned the whole game upside down and doesn't seem to care, you know, like if he, like at the beginning when he was running, People would ask him questions about his qualifications, and he'd get mad. And it's like, yeah. well, you're interviewing for a job. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like it's like a doctor, and you're supposed to be a doctor, and you go in, and I cut you, you I'm bleeding, and you you come into the room, and you're like, Trump's a doctor. He goes, what's all that red stuff in the body? Yeah. Well, that's blood. Well, what does that do? Well, you're a doctor. Don't you do Why are you attacking me? Like, so there's those, th- those moments that you can kind of really seize on that are honest. So I don't know that there's a conscious – first of all, I think when the show started, it wasn't a plan to do so much yeah. politics. But – Trump was running, and that primary with the Republicans got so crazy. It was crazy. But it was awesome because it was crazy. It's like comedy malpractice if you don't do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, look, the Democrats, they have their share of whatever, and they get theirs. But definitely, you're right. I mean, 
But we even had people come up to me, especially at The Daily Show, go, oh, I only get my news from The Daily Show because it's the only place I trust. I'm like, well, we're a bunch of idiots yeah. who are drunk half the time, so you should probably check out something else. <laughs> but it's really become this, like, I don't know, it's become an us versus them world. And That's I think we gotta, it's, yeah, we got to get back to somewhere in the middle, you know? Absolutely. Paul McCurry, he is House Comedy tonight, one show, and then you got uh, four other shows, two Friday, two Saturday. People want to get tickets, they go to houseofcomedy.com or just show up and say, I want to see Paul. Yeah. That's what you do. And you're on tour right now, and of course you're going to be back at the, over at the Daily Show, what, Monday? I'm going back at the Late Show on the Monday. Late, I fly back Sunday. Show. Yeah, oh, yeah. God, look at you, man. you got to come come to New York, come to a taping. I'm going to. I'm going to. Beautiful I'm gonna. theater, Ed Sullivan I'm, Theater. I'm going to hold you up to that. Absolutely. It is the Chad Benson Show. It's Arizona's News Station.